Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. This morning, we're going to call this message First Drafts versus Final Word. First Drafts versus Final Word. I, I couldn't wait to give an installment into the Thrive Relationship Series. By the way, my wife is in Texas, but she is not in San Antonio this morning. She is in Houston with my family. We have an event, or a couple of events there the next week, so um, she is not here. And it's awkward to show up at the Relationship Conference weekend without my relationship. Uh, but she is here, and she wishes. She's actually a little mad at me. She's not here. Um, to, to be really honest with you. So I'm in a little bit of a doghouse for, for planning the trip this way, but uh, she says hello this morning. First drafts versus final words. Psalm 45 and one says this, my heart is stirred by a noble theme. As I recite verses for my king, my tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. Listen to that. My tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. First John in three says this, beloved, I pray that you would prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Just as your soul prospers. I know we put kind of a kitschy little title on the message this morning. First drafts versus final word. Let me tell you what I really want to talk about today. That's just a cover for me to talk to you about this today. Today, we're going to talk about the power of shame. We're going to talk, um, we're going to talk about shame and expose it for the thief that it is this morning in our lives. Moment of confession for you. I am a shame survivor. I am someone that has dealt with this um, even over the last 12 months. About a year ago on our staff at my home church, Champion Center, we were, we're kind of the personality test church, like we take all of them, and um, I've got test results from all, well, there's one we've been taking recently called the Enneagram. Anyone taking the Enneagram test? couple of you, okay, I, I'm a three on the Enneagram, and if you know the Enneagram, you, that, you will now be able to read my mail as we're talking today. And so they were trying to kind of diagnose me, or, you know, I didn't want to take the test at that moment, so they're trying to figure me out, and they said, okay. The Enneagram is made up of three quadrants, and they're trying to figure out which one I'm in. And they said, are you more anger-based? Are you more fear-based? Or are you more shame-based? And as quick as they said, I blurt out of my mouth, well, I'm definitely not shame-based. Because I feel like a pretty confident person, right? Like, I, I think pretty well of myself, actually. I don't, don't deal with a lot of, you know... <laughs> Let's be honest. And again, if you knew what a three on the Enneagram was, you would know exactly what that statement means right there. And so I'm sitting there and come to find out I'm incredibly shame-based. And I never knew it. And as I begin to dive into this topic, and subsequently over the last year as I did some counseling, what I began to realize was not only was I an incredibly shame-based person, but I was living my life out of a script that did not line up with what God's word said about me. 
You see, shame is a part of humanity's original fallen condition. Shame is the subject matter of the first conversation recorded between God and man. So shame existed before the fall. It existed at the very beginning of time. And shame is interwoven into our brokenness. Now, some of us will deal with this more than others. But all of us as humans are prone to shame. Today, I'm going to share with you why this subject should matter greatly to you. I'm going to share with you and show you how this will make its way, if we're not careful, into every relationship in our lives. It will taint and, and affect every relationship of our lives. And together today, I'm going to believe we're going to break the back of shame over our lives by the power of God and the authority of his word. You see, the scripting of your heart is determining the direction of your life. The psalmist is on to something here when he said, I, I, my, my, my tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. I wonder what I wonder what your tongue or I wonder what your soul is writing over your life today. The scripting of your heart will affect the direction of your life. In other words, what you say about you determines who you become and the kind of life that you live in. If we're not, if, if we're honest this morning, we are living in a culture with an epidemic that is hijacked the script of our souls. And that epidemic is shame. Shame is the swampland of the soul. And I don't wade into this swamp callously this morning. And we're not going to stay here for long because typically it's not a comfortable place to stay. But I do, with your permission, I want to go there for just a minute this morning. I want to go there carefully. I want to go there because I've been there. Like I own the waders. I own a boat that gets through this swamp now at this point, okay? And, and, and I want to go there for just a minute because we need to expose some lies that exist in this swamp of shame that ends up flooding so many of our souls. You see, shame is an epidemic. We live in a culture that is prone to body shaming, bullying, cyberbullying, financial pressure, financial status, having it all. I mean, genders deal with shame differently, but genders deal. I mean, no guy in the room wants anyone to see them weak. No, no, no woman wants to be imperfect. Mental health, eating disorders, aggression, suicide, violent behavior, the aftermath of abuse or injury. I mean, we're living in a moment in this nation right now with the Me Too movement, if you will. I mean, every power structure in our society right now is being exposed for the abuse of power that there is in our world. I mean, every, no, no, no place is safe. And, and thank, thank God for people that are having courage and, and exposing you know, lies for what they are, that, that this is not okay. And we're not going to get into that this morning, but, but I, I think you, we can all agree we're in a moment right now as a nation. 
And, and how, by the way, how the church responds in this moment is very, very important. Hmm. One of the things I love most about the church is that the church is the great failure experiment of the world. And what I mean by that is this. You've never seen a person on this stage that hasn't failed. Yours truly included. You've never seen a person come up here and break open the word of God that hasn't failed. But the beauty of the kingdom of God and the church is that failure isn't final. That Jesus rewrites destiny. He reignites purpose. And by the power of his word, he sets people free from the bondage that holds them captive. But, but we don't like to fail. We want to hide when we fail. And failure is a setup for the enemy. All failure does is it tills the ground that, that shame can come and plant seeds into. So when we fail, we want to hide. We don't want to show up. And what I'm actually going to ask you to do today is lean into this topic with me for just a minute. Show up with me in this conversation. Because you might be like me and say, well, I don't deal with shame. Well, you may not. But I'm going to actually guess you deal with it more than you realize. And I'm going to try to show you over the next couple minutes. And, and I, I come to you as someone who has painfully walked this journey. If you remember, those of you who were around, the last time I was here, I did a message, or one of the last times I was here, I did a message on how to have a personal revival. That message was written out of this journey, just so you know. So consider this like 201 of that 101 message, if you will. You see, shame and guilt are two very different things. Shame and guilt are two very different things. Guilt is being sorry for what you've done. Shame is being sorry for who you are. Guilt is about behavior. Shame is a focus on self. Guilt says, I did something bad. Shame says, I am bad. How many of you in the room this morning, if I were to do something wrong, I would wrong you in some way, and I authentically apologize. I said, I did something wrong. I'm sorry. How many of you would forgive that person who authentically said, I'm sorry, before you raise your hand? If, if, all right. I'm glad we have that permission, by the way. That's awesome. Um, guilt says, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. But shame says, I'm sorry. I am a mistake. Guilt is taken away at the cross. It's final and it's over. But shame existed since the beginning of time. Like, like shame's a deeper root here that we have to expose and we have to deal with and watch how the power of God comes and the Prince of Peace strides in and does what only he can do to our shame. And so I come to you this morning simply out of that point of faith. If we can look at this thing, if we can see it for what it is, we can stop shame from ripping us off any longer. And you can thrive 
in your friendships. You can thrive dating. You can thrive, not too thriving, by the way. Um, you, keep swiping left, you know. Um, that's the right way, right? Or anyways, I never used it. Um, it's bad, by the way, when you, your marriage existed before social media. Because, like, I have no, uh, yeah, I have no idea. Um, we need to expose it for the life that it, life that it is. If we're going to break the back of shame, I have four thoughts for you this morning. If we're going to break the back of shame, we need to realize a couple things. First of all, the, the first thing I came to help you understand today about this is this. Shame has a language. Shame has a language. When you get ready to enter the arena of relationships, when you get ready to show up, show up as a friend, when you show up to work every Monday morning, when you put yourself out there again after a failed relationship and try again, whenever you prepare to show up in relationships, you wake your kids up in the morning, you're showing up in relationships. Shame is the heavy voice that nags on the inside of you and stops you dead in your tracks. Shame sounds like you're not good enough. Shame sounds like you never finished what you started, so why try? Shame reminds you that your spouse left you. Shame says you're not pretty enough, smart enough, or talented enough. Shame says, I know you think you can do it. And that heavy, nagging voice keeps us from showing up. It keeps us from entering the arena of relationships and experiencing true relationship with people because we hide. The heavy voice of shame causes us to hide. We don't like the critic. The critical voice of shame speaks so loud. What I think we would realize if we would actually show up in relationships, what I think we would realize is once you get into the arena and look around, the only critic that's talking is you. But actually, the arena's full of fans. And the arena's full of people that are for you. But it doesn't sound like that because that critic seems to drive everything out. Shame has a language. Basically, shame says two main things. Number one, you're not good enough. And number two, who do you think you are? And if we're not careful, this language can become the script. My tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. Number two, I would want you to understand this. If we're going to break the back of shame, is that shame's first draft is a straitjacket. Hear me on this. Shame's First draft is a straitjacket. Here's what happens, like, like physically in our bodies. Our minds are a beautiful place, a, a miracle created by God, but our minds must also be transformed. But the Bible says by the renewing of your mind, so that it comes into alignment with the word of God. If your mind is not in alignment with the word of God, your mind can pollute you. 
And your mind can cause your behavior and the way you live to move out of alignment with the word of God. So here's what happens. Our minds don't like problems. Our minds don't like unsolved mysteries. And our minds don't like tension. So when tension comes, when problems come, when situations arrive, our our minds immediately go to work to try to solve the problem. Try to write the end of that story. You know, that relationship challenge that comes up, our minds immediately try to finish the sentence and put a period because our, our, our minds don't like uncertainty. And then what happens when the, when the mind, when your mind actually puts a period at the end of the sentence and solves the riddle and solves the problem, the mind rewards itself with serotonin. And so you are chemically rewarded for solving the problem. But here's the problem. The story doesn't have to be right. It just has to be final. Your mind rewards itself for solving the problem, not for solving the problem the correct way. And so if the scripting of our soul is wrong, what we end up doing is we end up drawing wrong conclusions and experiencing that serotonin release, that that peace release that actually causes our lives to be built on a lie. See, I'm, I'm not good enough. Problem solved. The problem is that is not what the word of God says about you. I'll never amount to anything. Mystery solved. It's just false. Do you see what we do? Our minds rush to finality. This is why Romans 12 and 1 says, do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You will only know the will of God and the heart of God for you when your mind is set on his word, not the finality of your foregone conclusion about what you say about you. We need to know what our Father in heaven, our creator, our designer, our maker says about us. So the first draft isn't usually right. You know a really powerful tool, by the way? I learned this from an author named Brene Brown. She's inspired a lot of this message, and she has helped me tremendously. She says one of the most powerful things to realize the lie in the straitjacket is externalize it. Write it down. Password protect it on a folder on your phone if you have to. But get it down as real and ugly as it is. Because if you can get it out of here, and you can look at it, you can begin to see it for what it is. Is that actually true? Because you can line that up and you can put it right alongside these printed words and say, which one wins? Which one's going to be the script of my life? I'm going to get this thing out of my heart quickly before it takes root and before it bears fruit. Number three, shame poisons healthy relationships. Shame poisons healthy relationships. Bob, come on up here. You know I'm going to use you every service because you're going to be sitting there every service. This is Bob. I picked Bob for the first service because Bob's got to be, do you love Bob and Karen? Like, like got to be one of the nicest people in the church. So he fits this, he fits this um, illustration well. So, here, so here's, what's, here's what happens. Let's illustrate this about how what I'm talking about is going to poison your relationships is that let's say Bob and I are coworkers and we work together and it's a Friday, TGIF, it's like four o'clock and 
And I'm all excited because it's, it's Friday. I'm getting ready to walk out of the office. I walk by Bob and I say, hey, Bob, have a great weekend. Fairly simple, right? Let's say on this day, Bob rolls his eyes, takes a deep sigh, looks away and keeps walking. Doesn't say, have a good weekend back to me. We've got a problem. The mind doesn't like this problem. So my mind is now going to go to draw a conclusion about this problem. Bob doesn't like me. Bob hates working with me. Bob wishes I wasn't a part of this team. Bob, um, see, I knew he didn't like me. Now I just, you know, problem solved. Because it doesn't have to be right. It just has to be final. And so I, now I'm going to spend the entire weekend living out of the lie of Bob doesn't like me. And what could have been a healthy relationship is now poisoned. Do you know what? What usually is the reality? Bob could be having a bad day himself. Bob may have a funeral to go to on Saturday, and I just reminded him of it. Bob Bob could have a deadline in an hour he's not going to make, and his job could be at risk. But there's a whole bunch of reasons Bob may have rolled his eyes at the moment, none of which have anything to do with me. But because my mind rewarded me for for a simple final conclusion, a straitjacket, a first draft, if you will, we now have a relationship problem that need not have ever happened. Here's what healthy people do. Monday morning. Hey, Bob, do you have a minute? Friday, when I was walking out, I said, have a good weekend. And um, you didn't say it back. Like, you rolled your eyes. You breathed, you know... um, And the story I'm telling myself, here's your line. The story I'm telling myself is you don't like, like, there's a problem here. You don't like working with me. You don't want me on this team. Is that accurate? Now, hold on. Told you, nicest guy in the church. If it's accurate, now we got some work to do, right? Okay, that's another message. That's Thrive 2019. Uh... That's why the Bible says when a brother offends you, go to him, by the way. You know what's more likely to happen is Bob say, I am so sorry. You you reminded me, I had a really tough weekend coming up. You reminded me about that project that you're my, and I I shouldn't have reacted that way. Like, I didn't mean to do that, but you reminded me of something and I just blew, blew past that moment. Relationship reconciled. Lie exposed. Shame pulled up by the root. We're now not going to have potentially years of relationship conflict built on a lie that never needed to have happened in the first place. Thank you, Bob, very much. You can take your seat. Give Bob a hand. They're awesome. Shame poisons healthy relationships. The Bible says that we're to do the hard work of getting along with each other. Do you see why it's hard work now? How many times have we not done that, by the way? How many times have we not gone to that and done that? Here's my last point today. Number four, shame can be broken. 
shame can be broken. And you know what? It can be broken this morning. It can be broken right in this moment. Luke chapter 8, as I was studying last night, I came across this incredible description in the message of a well-known story. I want to read it to you today, just as it's written. Um, Oh, I'm so glad I found this last night. I couldn't wait to read this today. This is the woman with the issue of blood, which, by the way, she was physically sick, but she was tormented by shame because of her. She, She was crawling to Jesus on this day because she was full of shame. Listen to this. Luke 8 and 43. In the crowd that day, there was a woman who for 12 years had been afflicted with hemorrhages. She had spent every penny she had on doctors, but not one had been able to help her. She slipped in from behind and touched the edge of Jesus' robe. At that very moment, her hemorrhaging stopped. Jesus said, who touched me? When no one stepped forward, Peter said, but master, we've got crowds of people on our hands. Dozens have touched you. Jesus insisted. Someone touched me. I felt power discharging from me. Listen to this. This is where it gets beautiful. When the woman realized she couldn't remain hidden. Shame lives in three things, by the way. Secrecy, silence, and judgment. Secrecy, silence, and judgment. When it goes unsaid, when it goes hidden, and when you feel you're going to be judged for who you are, you will hide. You, shame can thrive. It's a Petri dish where shame can grow. When she realized she couldn't remain hidden, she knelt trembling before him. I, she thought she had defiled him. She thought she had done something wrong. In front of all the people, listen to this. Talk about not being hidden anymore. In front of all the people, she blurted out her story. Why she touched him. And how at that same moment, that same moment she was healed. And Jesus said, listen to this, daughter, you took a risk trusting me. And now you're healed. And you're whole. Live well live blessed you took a risk trusting me showing up in front of Jesus and showing up in relationships is going to be risky by the way the enemy's number one tactic against you is to isolate you just so you know to isolate you and numb you he doesn't need to kill you he actually can't because you have you're protected by the blood of Jesus. He can't take you out. But if he can isolate you and numb you, he neutralizes the threat you are against his kingdom. But the second we expose the enemy and the lie of shame for who it is, we come into the light and we experience the healing power of Jesus in us. We have to take a risk though. Which means, by the way, this is why you need to be in a small group. This is why you need to be planted on a team. This is why you need to have roots in the house. Because you need to be walking with people that you can eradicate silence, judgment, and secrecy from your life. Tell someone your story. Tell someone you trust. Go to someone, even today. Like, find someone, and and, and you will begin to see Jesus work. You took a risk trusting me, and now you're healed, and you're whole. Live blessed. Here's the final thing I wanted to tell you today. Shame can't survive empathy. 
shame can't survive, when we feel understood, when we know someone's willing to walk with us judgment-free, shame can't survive empathy. If someone tells you their story, put the phone down. Sit with them. Talk with them. Say, tell me your story. My counselor tells me this all the time. I say, it's all good. She said, I know you say it's all good. Stop saying it's all good to me. Right? Can we, can we be this kind of church? Stop saying it's all good to me. It's okay. It's okay to be, not be okay. Shame can be broken. Shame can, would you stand with your feet with me this morning? If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.